Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Well, I want to welcome you to Soul City Church. My name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the lead pastors here. And it's become our tradition every week that we've been doing this online to have you shout out where you're from in the comment section. So wherever you're at, wherever you're joining us from, just put in the comment section right now. It's been so cool to see people all over the city, all over the country, all over the world, finding God through this church. And so wherever you're at, just like with pride, put where you are watching from. Or get real specific, the kitchen in Pilsen. Let us know wherever it might be, because we are so glad that you would take time out to be with us this weekend. And I just want a quick pause before I get into the message, because I'm so excited about this message. I want to just do a quick pause. You know, we've been gathering digitally like this for a while now, and a lot of folks have been wondering, I'm sure you've been wondering, when are we going to meet again? Like, when do we get back into this room? When do we get to be back together as a church? And I just want to give you a quick update, and there's more and more information uh, to come. This week, I got a voicemail from an organization that wanted me to join them in legal action against our governor. They are putting a bunch of churches together to sue our governor to allow us to be able to meet and in fact are defying governor's orders and meeting together as churches across the state. And there are several of these across the country. And so I just want to be really, really, really clear about where we're at with that as a church. Our doors remain closed. And I want to be really clear about that. Our doors are remaining closed, but our church is wide open. Our doors are closed right now, but our church is moving forward, unlike ever before in our church's history. And the reason we're keeping our doors closed, because this is just a building, so the reason we're keeping our doors closed to this building is because it is not healthy or safe for us to meet together yet. And we've actually not been given permission to do that. Now, our state and our local governor and you know local officials have laid out a phased project for us to begin to meet again, and we will follow their lead. And we'll determine, Jeannie and I and our staff and our elders, when it's safe and appropriate for us to meet. But I want to be really clear. I know there's a lot of conversation around churches getting back together, and I get that desire. But I want to be clear why we're not going to get together for an hour on Sunday. One is because it would go against our governor's order and leadership right now, and our mayor's leadership right now. Two, because it's not healthy or safe to do so. Not the way we do church. We are all up in each other's business when we're together. So it's not safe or appropriate for us to do that right now. And three, because it would spark a culture war that we are not interested in. We're not interested in that. We want to keep you safe. We don't want to put an undue burden on our frontline healthcare workers who we are so incredibly grateful for. We don't want anything we do to make their job harder than it already is. And three, we don't want to compromise the integrity of this church. We have been blessed by this church's reputation in this city. And we want to maintain that and keep that. So I just want to be really clear. We will let you know. And I know we're itching to be back together again, but this is a time for us to be patient and to follow the lead of others. And we will get together as soon as it's safe, healthy, and legal for us to do so. Does that make sense? I feel like I just had to say that little piece right there, and I should have had my soapbox from last week for that one. So, all right, last week we kicked off a brand new teaching series called Whole and Holy. This whole month we're looking at what it means to examine our emotional health, our mental health, our physical health, and to actually see all of that as spiritual health. We believe that that's all spiritual health. Your mental health matters 
because it matters to God. Your emotional health matters because it matters to God. Your physical health matters because it matters to God. It's all connected. And as we looked at last week, it's all spiritual. And if you missed last weekend, I want to encourage you to go back and catch up with what happened this last weekend, because that's the whole idea of this series. And what I want us to focus on this weekend is not only how we care for ourselves, but why we care for ourselves. Not just how to do that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But what's more important is why we care for ourselves. Because self-care is an incredibly important spiritual discipline. It's actually spiritual care. Now, self-care has become a big deal in our culture. I know you know that. It is like a movement. It's actually become a multi-billion dollar industry over the last two decades. From the rise of self-help books to self-care retreats to all kinds of treat-yourself indulgences that we have to have, right? I mean, who among us hasn't bought a jade face roller? Let's just be honest about it. And currently right now on Instagram, there are over 28 million posts with the hashtag self-care. So I thought it'd be fun for us this weekend to do a little quiz around self-care. We're going to do a self-care quiz. And I'm going to name some items that may or may not exist in the marketplace. And you have to comment in the comment section, right? So I want you to type in in the comment section or just shout it out to the people next to you whether you think the items I'm about to name off are real items that are for sale or fake ones that I made up because they sounded fun. Okay, so you just have to shout out. I'm going to put something up. You have to shout out if it's real item or fake self-care items. That make sense? All right, you tell me if this is real or fake in the comments with the people with you. A 24 karat gold face mask. Is that a real self-care item or one that I just made up? 24 karat gold face mask. It's real. Yep, that is actually a real thing that you can buy for $21 an ounce on Amazon. So in my opinion, pretty good deal. All right, you tell me if this next one is real or fake. A real self-care item or a fake one, ready? Real grass flip-flops. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean flip-flops that are actually made of real grass that you have to water and take care of. Is that a real thing or did I just make that up? It's a real thing. That's actually a real thing. For $20, which seems surprisingly cheap to me, you can buy real grass flip-flops as if you needed another thing to take care of in your life. Okay, just a few more. This one's a little gross. Uh, Gorilla Snot Hair Gel. Yeah, I can't believe I just said that on a weekend. Gorilla snot. That, what do I mean by that? Hair gel made from gorilla snot. Is that a real item or did I just make that one up? Yeah, that's real. You can actually buy hair product made from gorilla snot. But here's the only catch. You can only buy it in Mexico. So the hair products you use in Mexico apparently stay in Mexico. All right, two last ones. Uh, did I make this one up or is this a real thing that you can buy? You got to put it in the comments or you got to shout it out. Bacon bits toothpaste. Toothpaste made from bacon bits. Real thing or did I just make that up? Yeah, that's real. And it's only $5, which to me is a steal. That is a low price to pay to get more bacon into my mouth and into my life. Okay, last one. And I thought the Gorilla Snot one was gross, but uh, see, see if you can tell if this is a real one or am I just making this up right now? <laughs> a bird poop facial. Yeah, I know Jeannie right now is telling me that that was too much, but it's okay. A bird poop facial. Is that a real self-care item or did I just make that up? Yeah, you already know it, don't you? It's real. And in fact, they have these in New York for $200 a treatment. 
Now, I want to tell you, uh, when it came to writing this in the bird poop facial, there are jokes here that, that write themselves that I simply don't need to speak. So I'm going to leave those up to you, and please don't put those in the comments. All right, You, you get the point here, right? All those things are real things that you can buy today. Real people pay real money for real products all in the name of self-care. So with everyone seeming to care so much about self-care, I guess the question for us to consider this weekend is why should I care about self-care? Why should you care about self-care? What difference does it make? What, what, what difference does it really make if I care about my own self-care or not? Does it really matter if I do or don't? Does it really matter how I care for myself? And ultimately, does it really matter to God? Does it really matter to God that I practice self-care? Now, I give a little caveat here. I should probably note that lots of Christians believe that self-care is ultimately just self-indulgent. That the invitation from Jesus is to sacrifice ourselves, It's to deny ourselves. It's to put others before ourselves. That's what I was taught growing up. That's what I believed. And they're not wrong. The Bible does teach that. Jesus does model that. But that's not all that's taught or modeled in the Bible. You see, this belief held by, I believe, sincere people of faith is ultimately rooted in something that we all have in common, and it's a dualistic way of thinking. We tend to look at the world as needing to be either one thing or the other. People are either one thing, they're in one group, or they're in another. It's either black or it's white. So in the case of self-care, from a dualistic mindset, in the case of self-care, I either have to love others or love myself. And for people of faith, loving others is right. Therefore, loving myself is what? Must be wrong. But I think that's missing the point of Jesus's invitation that we began to unpack last week in Matthew 22, because I believe, as we'll see here in a moment, that loving others is directly connected to loving yourself. Caring for others is connected to how you care for yourself. Self-care matters to God. Your self-care matters to God, but, but maybe not in the way you might think. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a Bible or open up a tab to Matthew 22. It's the passage we kicked off last week, Matthew chapter 22. And you can go straight to verse 37, Matthew 22, verse 37. We explored this in depth last week. I don't need to give you more context around this, but this week what I want to do is unpack the second half of the two great commandments that Jesus gave us. If you were here last weekend, you saw how, how these few verses are how Jesus sums up the entire Old Testament. He takes the 613 commandments. So you thought you were good because you knew about the 10 commandments. There's actually 613 commandments in the Old Testament. He takes all of those and boils it down to two. And he gives us a way to live our lives with God and with others rooted in love. This is how Jesus actually sums it all up in Matthew 22. And we can read here from verse 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your what? With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We talked about this last week. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's where it starts. Our vertical relationship with God, me loving all of who God is from all of who I am. But then Jesus goes on to say this in verse 39. And the second, remember he gives two, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
So if the first commandment is to love God, then the second commandment we just read is to love who? Shout it out. It's to love, yeah, others, to love others, to love your neighbor, as Jesus says. Now, some people spend a lot of unconscious time trying to figure out or justify who their neighbor is and who their neighbor isn't, right? Who does this command that Jesus gives to love others really apply to? Like, do I have to love them? Who can I get off the hook loving? I remember when I was a kid growing up, our church, uh, there, there was a movie coming out made by Disney that our church disapproved of. I don't know that we had a say or a vote in that, but I just remember they didn't like that Disney was putting out this movie. So I can vividly remember as a middle schooler signing a petition that I didn't totally understand to boycott Disney for a year because of a movie that they were releasing. See, we were really clear who we were not going to love that year. And it was Mickey Mouse. It was very, very clear. He was the Antichrist, according to us that year. Right? So you kind of get this idea how easy it is to go, well, am I supposed to love them? I don't have to love them. Well, they think differently than me, so I don't have to love them. We could spend a lot of time talking about that this weekend. But the answer to that question of who is my neighbor is honestly quite simple. It's, now wait for it, wait for it. It's everyone. That's, the, that's who Jesus is talking about. Who's my neighbor? Everyone. Everyone is your neighbor, period. This includes your friends. This includes your family, all of your family. This includes your coworkers, every coworker. They don't bug you as much now that you don't see them as much, huh? But anyway, it includes all of them. This includes your actual neighbors, the people who live in your neighborhood. This includes people who don't look like you people who don't vote like you, people who don't love like you. In other words, everybody. That is the second great commandment. The first is to love God with all of who you are. And the second is to love all people with all of who you are. It is not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not up for debate. It's a commandment rooted in love, but a commandment nonetheless. So I don't want to spend time talking about who's my neighbor and what is it. What I want to actually do is draw your attention to this in this middle of this whole and holy series as to what I think is so often and so easily overlooked in the second great commandment. In fact, you might have missed it when I just read through it. And it's a little word that's actually found back in verse 39, in Matthew 22, 39. And I just want to kind of put it back up so you can see it again. It says this, the second greatest commandment, you know, Jesus gives the first, love God. The second is like it. He says, love your neighbor. And what's that next word? It's so small. I'll say it out loud as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That word as is incredibly important because it implies something incredibly significant. Now, the technical term for the use of this word as in the context of this commandment from Jesus is what you can call a presumptive presupposition. Say that out loud. A presumptive presupposition. What is a presumptive presupposition? It is the assumption that something is already always true. It's the assumption that something just already or always is actually true, right? Sounds very kind of lawyerly, presumptive presupposition, right? Kind of like the Department of Redundancy Department. It, it sounds a little weird to say, but when you understand what it really is doing here, it's incredibly important. The idea here is simply that Jesus is assuming that you are already loving yourself. That's a presumptive presupposition. You are already, he's assuming that you are already taking care of yourself. 
That's not the commandment. The commandment is not to love yourself. The commandment is to love others. The presumptive presupposition is that you already are loving and taking care of yourself. And the reason that you love and take care of yourself is not solely for yourself. It is so that you can fulfill the commandment of loving others. Does that, does that make sense? This is what Parker Palmer was so brilliantly getting at, a little part of his very little book called Let Your Life Speak. And, and this is the point that he was making about G what Jesus is talking about here, about self-care. This is what he says, brilliant. He says that self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship. That means it's a right taking care of. It's good stewardship of the only gift I actually have in this world. The gift I was put on earth to offer others. It's the gift of you. And that's why self-care is not selfish or self-indulgent when it's done as we're going to unpack here in just a second. So good. The point of self-care is for the sake of others. Let me say it again for those in the back of the couch or the kitchen watching right now. The point of self-care is for the sake of others. We love and take care of ourselves so that we can love and take care of others. See, this is where our culture misses it because we've made self-care nothing more than a self-centered or self-serving endeavor. That is not what God has in mind. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. As I love and take care of my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, again, a presumptive presupposition, as I do that, I care for others in the same way. Again, our dualistic minds want it to be one or the other, but once again, Jesus is inviting us into the beautiful both because both matter. Does that make sense? Both matter. I want, I want you to think about it this way. Maybe this will help. I want you to think about it this way. I want you to think back, try to remember the last flight that you took last time you were on an airplane, I know it's been a while. For some of you, you were flying every week and it's been a minute since you've been on a plane. Who would have ever thought that we would miss airplanes <laughs> and going on airplanes? But I want you to think back to the last flight that you took. Can you, have, can you remember, can you even like think back? Where was the last place you took a plane to go? I want you to imagine that scenario right now, okay? So imagine you finally made it to your seat, your carry-on is tucked away, right? You got that prime spot before they all filled up. Your carry-on is tucked away. Your shoes are still on because taking your shoes off on a plane, you can do better than that, okay? We can all do better than that. So before the flight takes off, you're sitting there, you're in your spot, the flight attendants stand in front of you and they go through speech that you've heard so many times, you don't even hear it anymore. Like it doesn't even register anymore to you. You know what I'm talking about, right? And after they've shown you how your seatbelt works, you know, just in case you forgot how seatbelts work from the last time you wore a seatbelt, they pull out this little prop to let you know of something they hope you never have to see or use during your flight. Do you know what it is that they pull out? They actually pull out one of these. Now, this is an oxygen mask. And I just want to say, if you like, this is a legit airline oxygen mask. And if you've ever seen one of these in the wild, or if you've ever had to use one of these, you might want to put that down in the comment section. Just shout out. Yep. I've had to wear one or yep. It fell out once during my flight. This is a real one from a real plane. And I need to give a big shout out to Marcus Marshall from our church for procuring the actual item right here. 
I really hope, Marcus, someone doesn't need this while I'm giving this message. I would feel terrible about that. So does anyone remember when, when these fall down, you know, they do the little demonstration for you and they drop it down, they stand in front of you. Does anyone remember what they say while they're holding the oxygen mask? It's something like, in the unlikely event that the plane should lose cabin pressure, an oxygen mask will automatically appear in front of you. To start the flow of oxygen, pull the mask towards you, place it firmly over your nose and mouth, secure the elastic band behind your head, and breathe normally. And I always have to laugh at that part, because, you know, while your life is flashing before you, uh, just make sure to breathe normally, right? But do you remember what they say? Here's the important part about the oxygen mask. Do you remember what they say at the end when they're doing the little pitch about the oxygen mask? They say, if you're traveling with a child or someone who requires assistance, please secure your mask first and then assist the other person. Now, do you ever wonder why they say that? You ever wonder why they say at the end to make sure that you put your mask on first before putting the mask on of your kid or maybe an elderly parent or person who's sitting next to you? Like I, I remember when I was a kid traveling with my mom and anytime my mom and I would be sitting next to each other, on a flight, and they would get to this part where they talk about the oxygen mask, she would always, I still remember this, she would always tell me this. She said, son, I will always put your mask on first. Sweet, right? I think, I think she meant it as a gesture of love, that she would sacrifice herself for her little boy. It's very meaningful, but incredibly irresponsible. Because I watched a video while I was preparing for this message this week from NASA that showed what happens at 35,000 feet. When you're flying at 35,000 feet, oxygen levels are so thin and so low that you have anywhere between 30 to 45 seconds before you start to lose consciousness in a depressurized airplane. That means that within less than a minute, without one of these, you won't be able to recognize who you are or who anyone else is around you or what's going on around you. And within a minute at that level, that thin, that low of oxygen, you'll pass out and most likely die with the mask dangling in front of you. That is why they tell you to take care of yourself first, get this, so that you can take care of others. That's why they tell you to do that. And I think that is exactly what Jesus is getting at here. That God cares about you taking care of yourself so that you can take care of others. God cares about you taking care of yourself. He absolutely does. So that you can actually take care of others. You see, if I, if I only care about myself and I put this on and I don't worry about anything else around me and I'm only caring about myself, I become narcissistic, I become disconnected, I become self-obsessed and ultimately living in disobedience to God, right? And likewise, if I only care for others and make sure that everyone else is taken care of and I'm making sure that I'm taking care of my family, I'm making sure that I'm taking care of my friends, I'm making sure that I'm taking care of my small group, if I'm only ever doing that, I eventually become deflated, defeated, ineffective, and ultimately resentful. Caring only for yourself lacks vision. Caring only for others lacks vitality. To be whole and holy requires both. And believe me, I know this to be true from my own life. The, my job, what Jean and I do, and our whole staff does such an amazing job of doing, is doing anything we can do to care for others. And years ago, I learned that if I am not taking care of myself, I am no good to you. 
I am absolutely no good to you. And I saw this this last week. You know, everyone's talking about all the shows they're binge watching during shelter in place, right? And all the shows they're watching and movies they're watching. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm like, when? When are you doing that? I feel like I am just bell to bell. I feel like I'm working harder than ever. Like, when are you actually doing that? So uh, earlier this week, I was kind of done with everything in the day. And, you know, Jeannie was re- getting ready to go to bed. So I'm like, yeah, we'll go to bed together. And, you know, when Jeannie and I try and watch a show together, the way it works for us, and I've probably told you this before, the way it works for Jeannie and I is we watch shows together in five-minute increments because Jeannie lasts usually about five minutes at watching a show and then she's sound asleep, right? So usually what happens is she falls asleep and I finish the episode and pretend like I didn't. So anyway, I saw this last week. I was like, man, I just, I've been going hard. I've been working hard. And I just, I kind of want to watch a show. I want to watch, in this case, it was a movie. Like I really want to watch this movie. Nothing wrong with that. So it's late at night. At this point, it's 1030 at night. And I'm going, okay, if I start this now, I'm not going to be done until after midnight. Kids are in bed. I'm like, you know, it's just kind of like some me time. I need this. It's some me time. So not only did I decide to watch that movie, I decided, you know what would be great? Watch this movie? It's to make some popcorn and eat some popcorn in bed watching this movie because I deserve it. I deserve it. And so by the time popcorn was done, it was about 11 o'clock after everything and I'm starting a movie and you kind of know where this is going to go. I watched that whole thing and I ate that whole bowl of popcorn. Again, nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But... Here's what happened the next day. I was tired. I was cranky. I was short with the kids and with Jeannie. I wasn't present to them. I was actually working on this message on why it's so important to take care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And I was unfocused. I was distracted all day while I was trying to work. And by the end of kind of the work day, you know, when I moved from the office to the family room, it was about 5.30 at night. I fell asleep on the couch. I just fell asleep. I was sitting there. I just fell asleep. Uh, the whole family's all around me and I just fell asleep. I wasn't present to them. I wasn't helping out with getting dinner ready and getting the table set and all that kind of stuff. Now, does that, is that a big deal? No, it's not a big deal. But you play that out day over day, week after week. If I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not the husband that I want to be to my wife. I'm not the father I want to be to my kids. I'm not the pastor I want to be to this church. I'm not the friend I want to be to my friends. It it takes you realizing, it takes me realizing that how I care for myself enables me to care for others. So what would it look like for you this week to actually practice self-care for the sake of others? Self-care for the sake of others. Now, I want to be really clear what self-care is not. I want to give you a couple ideas, then we're done. But I want to be really clear about what self-care is actually not, right? Because you may be thinking, this is awesome, it's me time. Well, I want to be really clear. Self-care is not binge-watching a show, especially at 11 o'clock at night. That's not actually caring for yourself. Self-care is not numbing out on social media. I know it feels good in the moment to escape. It's actually not caring for yourself. Slamming down a whole package of Oreos or a carton of Jenny's ice cream, as fun as that may be in the moment, that's not self-care. Isolating yourself from others, kind of holding up, avoiding others when they call or when the Zoom meeting comes up or whatever it is, that's not self-care. Drinking your way through shelter at home, that's not self-care. It's not. You know it. None of those things. None of those things. As good as they may feel in the moment, equip you or enable you to love others better. In fact, let's really just be honest about that. They usually leave you feeling worse in the end, right? So here's just a couple simple, and here's the fun part, free things that you can do this week, simple and free things that you can begin to do this week to care for yourself so that you can care for others, so that you can fulfill that second great commandment that Jesus 
gave us in Matthew 22. Here's just a, a short list. You might want to jot these down. We'll share these with you later in the week. This is not an exhaustive list. And you may look at this and go, this doesn't feel very spiritual. In my opinion, it's all spiritual. If it's in the name of caring for yourself to care for others. Here's one that I need to remind myself of every day. Seven to eight hours of sleep. Like a full night of sleep. That is a way to care for yourself. It does wonders for your body. Go for a 30-minute walk outside, if you can. If the weather's nice, if it's not raining torrentially, go for a 30-minute walk outside. You'd be amazed at what that does for your mind, your body, your soul. Here's the thought. Cook a healthy meal at home. Cook a, did you see all the words there? Cook a healthy meal at home, right? And I want to give a special shout out to Mark Skiles, who is an incredible, he's a friend of ours, we've known Mark for 20 years, incredible cook. He made us the most amazing, healthy, awesome meal last week and brought it over to us. So that's like, he got double points on this one. He made a healthy meal and he shared it with someone else. So if you want bonus points, you can share that meal with someone else. Here's another one, simple one. Anyone can do this. Read a book. I know you're like, I came to church for this? Yes. Read a book versus just watching another show or versus just looking at another screen. And if you're looking for a great book, I know one. It's actually a great book. And what happens is your mind actually begins to expand and to grow as you read. Very different than when you watch and consume. Reading engages your mind at a deeper level and it's a way of caring for yourself. Connect with soul-filling friends. Who are some friends that when you are with them, you feel closer to God? You feel more like yourself. Connect with them. Reach out to them. Be selfish about being with them. Say, can we get some time? Can I call? Can you, I'm, you know, this week I have a friend, Pastor Phil here at the church. I was like, dude, we just, I, can we go to socially distance walk together? I just want to be with you. I want to see you. So we're going to knock off two at once. I'm going to hang out with Pastor Phil and we're going to get a nice little 30-minute walk in together. Another one, practice silent meditation with God, silent stillness with God. You have no idea what that does to recenter your heart and your mind and your soul. And then lastly, I would just say, get the help that you need. It's one of the most important ways you can care for yourself is to get the help that you need. And we all need help. We all need help. We talked about this last week. We all need help. In fact, last weekend, we encouraged our church to get help with our, all of our own mental and emotional health. We invited you to, to text in to receive our list that we've vetted of therapists here in Chicago, all of whom offer telehealth. And I just want to let you know, we threw this out like, hey, text in this number if you want us to send you the list. It's on you to connect these folks, but here's the list if you want it. Do you know that over 500 people reached out for help last week at our church? 500 people texted in and said, I would love to get some help. Do you know that that is actually unheard of in church world? I honestly don't know another church that has seen that many folks reach out for professional, mental, and emotional health in one weekend. I am so proud of you. Gene and I and our whole team are so proud of you. And I know that not everyone watching now was watching last weekend or heard last weekend's message and that lots of people, maybe you texted and you got the list and then maybe you got a little scared. You got a little nervous. You kind of thought, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Believe me, I get it. I spent two years avoiding counseling. <laughs> I mean, I actively worked to avoid counseling for two years. So I get it. So I just want to offer you just that little invitation again as part of caring for yourself. If you want to get help and if you want to get healing so that you can actually offer help and healing to others, here's what I want you to do. Get that phone out. 
and I want you to actually text to 31996. You can just text 31996 and text the word CARE. That's all you need to do, one word, CARE, to 31996, and we will actually connect you to that list. And I would encourage you to take that step. Again, maybe that's not something you grew up with. Maybe you're like, oh, why are we talking about counseling in church? It's so that you and I can fulfill the second great commandment. As I am, presumptive presupposition, caring for myself, then I'm able to care for others. And I just want to read this to you. It came in from someone in our church. I got this message this week, and I'm just so proud of them. And I don't want to read it to you, and I won't share their name with you, but they let me know this. They said three weeks ago, I love this. Three weeks ago, I texted Kelly Skiles, our executive pastor here at Soul City, for the vetted list. Two weeks ago, I chose a therapist. One week ago was my first appointment. Today is my second appointment. Now I can say this is a new rhythm. And honestly, it took a pandemic heightening already existing anxiety and postpartum depression and telehealth access to make it possible for the first time in my life to go to therapy. There's goodness in that. I just know it. I love that. I love that. I love that perspective too. As I get the help that I need, as I pursue self-care, I am able to care better for others at home, at work, in my community, whoever it may be. And so I just wanna pray for you towards that end. Would you be willing to just say, I'm gonna care for myself. I'm gonna do the things that actually fill my mind, body, and soul so that I can care for the needs of others in my life. I wanna pray for you towards that end. Would you actually join me in praying right now as we wrap up this message? Let's pray together. God, thank you for the fact that this is written in there. It's so easy to miss. It's so easy to get stuck on, okay, well, who's my neighbor? What does it mean to love my neighbor? Thank you, Jesus, that you already assumed that we are already taking care of ourselves. That is our invitation. That's the assumption that you have, that we are going to take care of ourselves. And then the commandment, the act of obedience is that we would extend that to others. Out of all of who we are, we would extend that to others. God, thank you. Thank you for how you set this all up. Thank you for how you created us to be dependent on you to be dependent on others. Thank you that we get to care for others. And in doing so, God, we get to express and extend our love to you. God, you're so great and beyond, so great and beyond anything we could have possibly conceived or imagined. God, you are life. God, you give us life. You invite us into real life. You give us hope, God. When we're in dark places or difficult seasons, you give us hope, God. You shine your light into that darkness, God. You restore and renew our lives, God. You breathe your life into our lungs so that we can exhale that out to others. As we receive it from you, we extend it to others, God. That's all we wanna do. And so Jesus, thank you for this invitation, this commandment. Help us to obey. Help us to take the risk of caring for ourselves so that we can care for others. It's in your name that we pray and we sing. Amen.